Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 12 through 22, the calling of the first disciples. The joy we have for this week comes from Lindsay. She is graduating nursing school this Saturday. She is a working mother and went to school during the evenings while working all day. Lindsay, we are glad that you are finally graduating and can focus just on your work and your family. Congratulations, we are praying for you. Today, I am drinking Basil Hayden Toast on the rocks. Now, let us start with a prayer. Glorious Creator, we thank you for the gift you gave us in Jesus, your Son, an advocate for us and a teacher for us all. Let us be like those first disciples, listening to him, calling to us in our lives, putting aside everything we are doing and following him only. We wish for this not to be the best part of our day, but merely a building block to something better to come. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 through 22. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he traveled and went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Neptil, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulon and land of Neptel, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, and preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 through 22. Now, before we get into the discussion of the scripture reading today, I want to make a little bit of a note. Several people emailed me and asked why I wasn't reading the subheadings for our scriptures. Uh, the subheadings for today would have been before verse 12, Jesus began to preach, and then before verse 18, the calling of the first disciples. Now, there are a few reasons that I don't read out loud the subheadings, and they're the same reasons why you probably won't hear these subheadings read in most oral presentations of the Gospels. First, the subheadings themselves are not found in the original text. They were added to our modern Bibles. In fact, they're not found in all modern Bibles either. They were added by translators to make it easier to read. As you're flipping through the Bible, it's easy to find what you're looking for with these subheadings, while if they weren't there, it would be more difficult. The same is true for chapters and verses. 
The Bible was originally written with no chapters or verses, just a series of words and letters. Now, while that worked for the original audience, it would be very difficult for us today to look up specific lines. If you think about this podcast, I start by telling you the verses and chapters we're reading, and if they weren't there, I'd have to tell you to open your Bible somewhere to the front of the Gospel of Matthew and find where I'm reading. So these chapters and verses help us to identify specific sections of the Bible, and the subheadings do the same thing. Both are wonderful tools for someone who is reading the Bible on their own or following along with someone who is reading it orally. But they're not quite as useful when they are read aloud. You wouldn't expect me to list each and every verse I was reading. I wouldn't say 15 before I read the 15th verse. I would just read the verse. And the same is true with subheadings. They are useful when you flip through the Bible, but they're not quite as useful when it's read out loud. So that's why I have not been reading them in this podcast and why you probably don't hear them in church on Sunday morning. Now, let's jump into the scripture as it's presented to us. It starts with Jesus hearing that John was sent to prison. As we discussed, John was the forerunner to Jesus' ministry, and Jesus' ministry did not begin truly in a public sense until John's ministry was finished. When John was sent to prison, his ministry was done, so Jesus began to preach. Jesus leaves Nazareth and goes to the town of Capernaum, which was a bit of a mixed city for Jesus' ministry. It's where he calls his first disciples, and it seems to be the hometown for Peter, Andrew, James, and John. However, later in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus will formally curse the city of Capernaum, saying, you have been thrown down to Hades because of their lack of faith in the Messiah. But Jesus spends a fair amount of time in the city, in no small part to fulfill the words of the prophet. And his ministry there is quite productive. It brings in these disciples who would later become pillars of the church. So while his time there wasn't without controversy and he wasn't universally loved, it was sure productive. And the scripture calls back to the prophet Isaiah, saying that this will bring light to a place of darkness. This passage speaks about the Gentiles receiving the message of salvation through the Messiah, not just the Jewish people. Many Jews that read the Gospel of Matthew were probably a bit confused by the number of Gentiles that had converted to the Christian faith since his death and resurrection. In the time that the Gospel of Matthew was written and circulated, Gentile believers probably outnumbered those of Jewish heritage. Isaiah speaks of a time in which Gentiles will see the light, not just the Jewish people. By quoting Isaiah, Matthew can further convince those Christians of Jewish heritage that the Gentile believers had just as much right to the Messiah as they do, proving through the prophets themselves that the faith was always meant to be a universal faith.
Then we hear Jesus' message, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. That probably sounds familiar, because it's the same exact message that was preached in Matthew chapter 3 by John the Baptist. We hear that John the Baptist preached, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Word for word, the exact same message. Which is interesting, right? If Jesus was supposed to change everything and was so much more important and powerful than John, then why is his message the same? And frankly, the message itself is fairly simple. I mean, it's not difficult to understand. Putting it in practice might be hard, but the message, well, it's easy. And I think Matthew wants the readers to connect Jesus and John's message to one another. They were working for the same team. They were preaching the same message, even if their baptism was different. And by using the exact same words, Matthew makes that point abundantly clear. Both of them were saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The same words by different people working for the same goal. And I've always found it a bit interesting how short this message from Jesus is. As a preacher, each Sunday I deliver a sermon that's roughly 15 to 20 minutes long. I preach on a wide variety of topics covering many different scripture readings and lessons. But Jesus' first message, the first time he preached to the masses in the Gospel of Matthew, can be summarized by just one sentence. Now, there's a good chance that Jesus may have preached more words than this, and this is just Matthew's attempt to summarize a longer message. But either way, the heart of his message was short, simple, and easy to understand. God is the rightful ruler of all, and things have gone wrong, and it's time for us to make them right. Next, we have the section in which Jesus calls his first disciples. The account of calling these disciples in the Gospel of Matthew is quite sparse, especially compared to the other Gospels. In the Gospel of Luke, we have a long interaction with Jesus and Peter, where Jesus asked him to put a net in deep water. Peter does and catches a lot of fish. And after the catch, Jesus comes and talks with him some more, shares more about his message. And then finally, after all of that, Peter and his brother decide to become disciples. That's not what happens in the Gospel of Matthew. Not at all. Instead, Jesus and Peter and his brother Andrew have a much shorter interaction. They were casting their net in the water, which was a common way for people to catch fish back then as it is today even though I prefer a fishing pole. And then Jesus calls out, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It's only eight words in the original Greek. That's it. And then, at once, Peter and Andrew leave their nets behind and follow Jesus. Frankly, when I hear it, it makes me a bit upset. Because Jesus here quite easily was able to convince these two men that he had never met before to follow him. 
I like the Gospel of Luke's conversion story better. It makes more sense to me. It takes time, effort, and even a minor miracle to convince them. As someone who preaches the Gospel each Sunday, I can tell you it takes me a lot more than eight words to convince someone that does not know Christ to bring him into their lives. I would love for it to be that easy, but in my experience, it's not. And when I read this account, it makes me feel like I'm working on an impossible task. If Jesus could do it in eight words, then why does it seem like it takes me a lifetime? But as I read the Gospel of Matthew more and more, I see how it's connected with the Gospel of Luke, but working in a different direction. The Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke were written hand in hand. There are no two Gospels quite as alike as the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. In some places, they're completely identical to one another, uh, down to sentence structure and vocabulary. It would have been impossible for these two Gospels not to be written together in some fashion, with one or the other author knowing what the other Gospel writer had already written, or possibly both of these writers working together to form their Gospels, uh, separately but possibly even in the same room. So when I look at the shorter summary of Peter's conversion in the Gospel of Matthew, I think that maybe there was something else at play. Maybe the author was trying to show us something about our own conversions and how we should help others in accepting Christ. Because with this simple conversion narrative, we see a basic outline or basic flow to a conversion. They were doing something else. They were fishing. Then they heard the call of Jesus, and as soon as they heard it, they followed him, leaving behind what they were doing before, following him completely and totally. And in some ways, that's the perfect way to follow Jesus. You hear the call while you're doing something else, and then immediately follow him without looking back at anything in the past. And if you didn't get that message the first time that Matthew told us, he repeats it for us again. Jesus went on and saw another set of brothers. Very similar to Peter and Andrew, they were also working on a fishing boat, this time preparing their nets, with their father nonetheless. Then Jesus called them. We don't even hear the words that Jesus said. We just know that he called them, probably in a similar fashion. Then immediately they left their boat and their father and followed Jesus. Matthew's doubling down, repeating what he's already told us. The perfect way to follow Jesus is to hear him once, leave what you're doing, and follow him completely. It's the same story told two times to reinforce the message. When Jesus calls, you hear him and follow him. And that makes sense. And it's not talking down to us either. It takes us more convincing, more words to have someone follow Jesus. But it's not the words that we say that matter. It's a word that Jesus says to them. When we speak long enough, eventually they'll hear Jesus call to them, not just us speaking to them. 
And when he calls to them, when they hear him, they will follow him completely, just as those first four early disciples did. And the fact that they were fishermen just reinforces our call for evangelism. Come, and I will make you fishers of men. They put down their nets and instead grabbed a different kind of bait. And this is Jesus' first public ministry, the first time he preaches. A basic message of repentance and that the kingdom of heaven is near. It's a message that we've heard before, but from Jesus, it sounds different. It's a message that makes us want to drop what we're doing and follow him completely. Next week, we are going to look at Jesus' first public miracle. As always, thank you for joining me today. If you have any questions over the material or any prayer request, please email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. I got quite a lot of emails from you all last week, which was very nice, but I had a little bit of trouble responding to all of the messages. I'm sorry if I'm a little bit behind. I tried to respond to each and every one of you, but if I did miss you, I am quite sorry. Additionally, if you do drink, please do so responsibly. While it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.